Today on Him We Proclaim, Dr. John Fonville talks about the glorious second coming of Jesus. For the unbeliever, this is a dreadful day. But for those who have put their trust and faith in Christ, it's a day of vindication and glory. Paul realizes that waiting for this most significant of days is arduous, because nobody knows when it's coming. In the meantime, the calling is for believers to live in a way that is worthy of the calling. What does that mean? Well, let's find out more in a message called Worthy of His Calling. Here's Pastor John with part one. We're going to be looking at 2 Thessalonians chapter 1, verses 11 through 12. As we've learned uh, about the Thessalonian church is that the, from the very beginning of this church, these young believers in Christ uh, immediately began to experience persecutions and afflictions for their faith. And despite these trying circumstances, look at chapter 1, verse 3. We saw that Paul gives thanks to God for the Thessalonians' spiritual growth in the midst of persecution. They were growing abundantly in the midst of very difficult circumstances. Their faith was growing abundantly. Their love was increasing for each other. They had steadfastness and faith in the midst of persecutions and afflictions, chapter 1, verse 4. But Paul understands, nevertheless, that faithfully living out the Christian life in the face of constant, continual opposition isn't hard, it's impossible. Left to themselves, Paul knew that the task that God had called them to was too great. And he understood that the Thessalonians could never persevere in their own strength, but only in the strength that God supplies. And so, after he gives thanks in chapter 1, verse 3, for these young believers, he reminds these young converts how he and his companions, uh, Timothy and Silas, are constantly praying for their spiritual growth in the midst of their persecutions and afflictions until Jesus returns. So this brings us to chapter 1, verses 11 and 12, and this is what the Apostle Paul writes to them. He says, To this end we always pray for you, that our God may make you worthy of his calling and may fulfill every resolve for good and every work of faith by his power, so that the name of our Lord Jesus may be glorified in you and you in him, according to the grace of our God and the Lord Jesus Christ. So this is the first of four prayers by Paul in this little short letter. Um, We can learn a great deal about prayer Uh, from the Apostle Paul here. We can learn how to pray for others who are going through hard times, suffering, perhaps persecution or afflictions or difficulties. Um, We can also learn from this passage about how vital, uh, the vital role that prayer plays in in the life of believers. Paul shows us that prayer plays a key role in the develops the spiritual growth and development maturity of believers. And he's concerned uh, in this prayer for God to bring to completion what he had already begun, chapter 1, verses 3 and 4. 
And so what I want to show you this morning, I want you to notice three features of Paul's prayer, three features of Paul's prayer for these uh, Thessalonian believers. Um, So I want to draw your attention to these three features because they're very instructive to help us learn about prayer. So let's look at the first feature, verse, the beginning of verse 11. Uh, Here we have the motivation for Paul's prayer. What is it that motivated the Apostle Paul to constantly pray for the believers in Thessalonica? What was it that motivated him to constantly pray for their spiritual growth? Well, he tells us in verse 11. Look at verse 11. He says, to this end, we always pray for you. Some translations like the NIV, it says, with this in mind, we always pray for you. So what did he have in mind that was motivating and moving him? And this verb is to continually be praying. So he prayed for them all the time. He and his companions, Timothy and Silas, he said, we always pray for you with this in mind. What does he have in mind? What he has in mind is the content of verses 5 through 10. Paul always has in his mind the good news of the believer's vindication. He always has in his mind the day when Jesus will return and God's people will be judged worthy of entering God's kingdom. The day when Jesus returns and God's people are granted rest from all their persecutions and afflictions. He also has in mind the terror of Jesus' vengeance. Jesus' just retribution to the church's enemies. The day when Jesus returns to mete out, he says, the punishment of eternal destruction on all unbelievers, particularly those who persecute God's people in the church. He also has in mind this, verse 10. He has in mind that glorious day when Jesus comes to be glorified in his saints, in his church. It's with a view to this day. It's with this in mind. The day when Jesus returns in just judgment to be glorified. That is occupying his thinking. And it motivates him to constantly pray for Paul and his companions to grow spiritually. So people are saying, well, what is it that can improve my prayer life? What is it that can make me pray more? Well, meditate on the day you're going to be vindicated. Meditate on the day that Jesus is going to mete out just vengeance. Meditate on the day that Jesus is going to be glorified in his church. Those are powerful motives to prayer. And so Paul's concern is to motivate these young believers with the view to that glorious day that is to come. To motivate them to further spiritual growth. So this brings us to the second feature of Paul's prayer, the petitions of Paul's prayer. The petitions, the content. What was he praying? What was he asking for? Well, he tells us in verse 11. He says, with this in mind, to this end, we always pray constantly for you, That, and here are his petitions. The first petition, that our God may make you worthy of his calling. That's his thesis statement. God may make you worthy of his calling. 
and then may fulfill every resolve, desire for good, desire for goodness, and work of faith by his power. So Paul offers two petitions, two petitions to God on behalf of these uh, suffering believers. Let's look at the first petition. First, Paul, uh, he prays that God would make believers worthy of his calling. Now look back in verse 5. In verse 5, Paul comforts the Thessalonian believers when he assures them that when Jesus returns, he will judge them worthy of his kingdom. Now in verse 11, in view of that in mind, with this in mind, that God will judge you worthy of his kingdom, he says, I am asking God to now in the present make you worthy of that calling. He will judge you worthy then. Therefore, I'm motivated that he will now make you worthy now of that calling. This calling, and he refers to as God's effectual call to salvation. So God's calling is a powerful, creative word in the believer's life. It is, he shows us back in 1 Thessalonians chapter 1, that it is through the preaching of the gospel that the Holy Spirit comes in power and he grants faith to his people and he grants Christ's riches to his people. And so faith is not something that we contribute to make the gospel effective. Faith is something given to us through the gospel when it is proclaimed. It's just a powerful, creative, effectual calling of God. In 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 8, uh, Paul describes the gospel, as I've mentioned this many times, the ministry of the Holy Spirit. And then in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 6, with that in mind, he quotes Genesis 1, verse 3, and he compares the preaching of the gospel to God's powerful, creative ex nihilo, that means out of nothing, God's powerful, creative uh, word of ex nihilo creation. He says, for God who said, Genesis 1, 3, uh, let light shine out of darkness has shown in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Christ. So the preaching of the gospel is through the power of the Holy Spirit opening up the eyes of our understanding to make us capable of receiving the light of the gospel just as God spoke in creation and said, let there be light and there was light. It is a powerful, creative word. It is a, an effectual call to salvation. It has, um, as one author says, it, it had, God's call has this irresistible drawing power of unconquerable love. God's call to us uh, comes as a summons from his throne room who is the king of the universe and it is a powerful word of command which overcomes all of our resistance and draws us by grace. This is the calling that Paul is talking about. In addition to God's powerful creative word, God's call is also a moral word. It has moral implications for our lives. 
And in the context, Paul is talking about how it is important to note that God's effectual call to salvation carries with it a responsibility to live a life that is worthy of God's calling. God's calling not only brings justification, and it not only brings the renewal of the whole person, but when it brings that renewal of the whole person, one of the effects of God's calling is sanctification. And so God's calling, Paul teaches us, And this prayer uh, calls us to live a life of obedience to God's moral will. And so it is on the basis, listen carefully, that God calls us to life that we are now able to bring forth the proper response of living a worthy life. This is how one Bible teacher puts Paul's prayer when he says God, uh, he, he prays that God would make you worthy of his calling. He says, it stands to reason that if on the day of judgment, the Thessalonians are to be counted or judged worthy of inheriting the kingdom, they must here and now conduct themselves in harmony with the gospel call which they have received. So Paul is constantly praying that the Thessalonians' lives will show forth the characteristics expected of those who have responded to God's effectual call and salvation. I mean, 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 12, Paul had previously reminded the Thessalonians of this truth. Listen to what he wrote to them. He says, we exhorted each one of you and encouraged you and charged you to walk in a manner worthy of God who calls you into his own kingdom and glory. So this call by God is a moral call. Uh, Paul exhorts the Ephesian believers in a similar manner in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 1. He says, I therefore, a prisoner for the Lord, urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you have been called. And so to be sure, when we look at this call to walk in a worthy manner before God and for God to make them worthy of his calling... Uh, we know that the Thessalonian believers were not worthy when they were called. If you go back uh, to 1 Thessalonians chapter 1, verse 9, Paul tells us that prior to them being called by God through the preaching of the gospel, uh, he says that they were idolaters. They were pagan idolaters, worshiping and following false gods. And so they were not prior to their gospel call. They were, they, they were exceedingly unworthy. And this is true for us as well, isn't it? No one uh, is worthy who is called by God to salvation. God, God's gospel call to salvation comes to those who are exceedingly unworthy. Jesus reminds us of this truth in Luke 5.32. He said, I have not come to call the righteous, the worthy, but, but sinners unworthy to repentance. Yet, once we are called by God, brought to life through the uh, effectual calling of God, through the power of the Holy Spirit, we then have a responsibility to conduct ourselves in a manner worthy of his calling. 
And so Paul's first petition was request to God that he would make these young, suffering believers worthy of his gospel call. Worthy so that in the midst of difficult circumstances where it is virtually impossible to live out the Christian life faithfully, he prayed, God, make them worthy so their lives adorn rather than mar the gospel. And so Paul's teaching us through this prayer that our lives, our lives are to be consistent with his calling of salvation. But Paul understood that the Thessalonians were unable to live a life worthy of God's call in their own strength. And that is true for you and me today. Such a calling is impossible to do in and of ourselves. Left to ourselves, this call to live a life worthy of God's call is impossible. Uh, Who, by themselves, uh, can live a life in a way that Jesus, when he returns, counts you worthy? Right? So how do you do this? Well, look at Paul's second petition, and Paul tells us how this is accomplished. Here's the second petition. He not only prays that God would make us worthy of his calling, but now he prays that God would do that first petition. And here's how God will do it. He prays that God, by his power, would bring the believer's spiritual maturity to completion. Look at verse 11. He says, we pray for you always that our God will make you worthy of his calling. And here's how he'll do it. By bringing to completion fulfilling by bringing to completion by his power your every desire for goodness and your every work of faith. Paul says the way believers will be made worthy so that when Jesus returns they will be judged worthy is by God continually working in them powerfully to bring to completion their every desire to do good and their every work of faith. So let's take a closer look at Paul's second petition. Let's look at the first part, this every desire for goodness. This phrase, every desire for goodness, um, if you have the ESV, it will say, uh, may fulfill every resolve for good, but I prefer this every desire for goodness. Paul prays this, this phrase, it expresses the believer's internal will, his internal desire to live a godly life. And Paul says, I continually pray that God would bring to completion this internal desire to live a life in accordance to God's moral will. And as I showed you um, back in verses 3 and 4 of chapter 1, Paul gives thanks to God for the Thessalonians' display of these good desires, these works of faith. He thankfully acknowledges the Thessalonians' abundant, increasing spiritual growth and faith and their steadfastness and their endurance in the midst of persecutions and afflictions. But the Thessalonians were at best already, but not yet, in their spiritual maturity. 
They were already, he says in verse 4, giving evidence of their salvation by their steadfastness and faith and all their persecutions and afflictions that they were, were enduring. And Paul is so thankful for this evidence of their salvation. But the work of salvation that God had already begun was not yet complete. There was more that needed to be done because this verb translated fulfill in your Bible, it literally means to bring to completion a process already begun. And so Paul is thankful for the work of salvation that God had already begun, but he realized that it was not yet brought to completion in them because there was more progress to be made. Now, as you're going to see when we come to chapters 2 and 3, there were problems within this church. There was spiritual maturing that needed to occur in these believers. There were problems in their lives that needed to be addressed and corrected. And so Paul's prayer alludes to the problem of the misunderstanding about Christ's return in chapter 2. He's already laying the groundwork for chapter 2 with this prayer. He also, Paul is alluding to the problem in chapter 3 of idleness, of believers giving up their day jobs because Jesus is going to return. I'll come back to that. So he's laying the groundwork for how he's going to correct the unruly behavior of some of these young believers. And so we need to always remember that no one, this side of Christ's return, has been brought to full completion in their spiritual maturity. Like the Thessalonians, God's work of salvation has already begun in us, but it is not yet completed. So Paul is praying that the process, that which has begun, will, through a process, come to full maturity, full completion in their life. And he's praying for this daily. And so there's always more progress to be made in the Christian life. You know this well because everybody in here battles every day through this life with conflicting desires, don't you? You have the desire for goodness, but there's also, Paul says in Romans 7, this other desire. In Galatians chapter 5, verse 17, the apostle Paul says, we are constantly at war with the sinful desires of our sinful nature. Listen to what he says. He says, for the desires of the flesh are against the spirit, and the desires of the spirit are against the flesh. You're like bucking rams. For these are opposed to each other to keep you from doing the things you want to do. So this battle with conflicting desires, that is the normal Christian life. Paul understood both in Romans 7 and here in Galatians 5.17 and here in his prayer for the Thessalonians that even though we have been set free from the guilt and corruption of sin, even though we are going to be vindicated when Christ returns, we sometimes freely give in to the, the sinful desires of the flesh and don't walk in a way that is worthy of our calling. And so do not be surprised if you find it difficult to live a life worthy of God's call. This was true of the Thessalonians and will be true for us in that despite their encouraging progress, some had given in to the sinful desires of their flesh. 
As I told you, he is preparing them for chapter 3. Over in chapter 3, Paul is praying for God to bring to completion the Thessalonians' every desire for good, for goodness, to do good for the sake of others. So in chapter 3, what had happened, because they had a faulty understanding of the hope of the gospel of Christ's second return, some of them had given up their day jobs. They had lost their desire to do good for the sake of others. And because of that, they quit their jobs, and guess what they were not doing? Works of faith. They were not doing good for the sake of others. And so Paul is already anticipating how he's going to help correct that problem. And how does he correct that problem? He petitions to God constantly to bring these young believers to full maturity in in their faith. He's praying that the believer's righteous resolve, desire to live in a godly manner, to live in a way that accords with God's moral will, to do good for others will be brought to full completion. And so Paul prays for God to bring the completion of the believer's internal desire to live a godly life. This is where all change begins, at the level of heart desire. And Paul knew that, and he was praying, God, make them worthy by changing and bringing to completion their desires for goodness to others. Thanks, John. The message you just heard is called Worthy of His Calling, Part 1. The mission of Him We Proclaim is to bring you the gospel of good news each weekday. And it's our prayer that your heart will be filled with joy and a clear understanding of the gospel and God's word. If you want to hear a past broadcast, check out our podcast in iTunes or download our app. Just search for Dr. John Fonville in iTunes or Google Play. Him We Proclaim is a broadcast of Dr. John Fonville. If you would like to visit Pastor John's church in Jacksonville, Florida, you're always welcome. You can find out more at ParamountChurch.com. Thanks for listening and join us next time 